0: today in current events from a Christian perspective. A two Chick-fil-A? While there are boycotts going on for Budweiser and Target and Kohl's and Dodgers and others, an unnoticed page of the Chick-fil-A website went viral because, like so many other corporations, they now have a DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion section. What does this all mean? Here's the picture. What does this mean for a delicious Christian chicken? We'll have to find out. Meanwhile, Disney hires a man To wear a fairy godmother dress and help little girls shop for princess merchandise all while he is sporting a mustache. Yes, this is now apparently a thing. We'll have to talk about that as well. In other news, we hear a new version of Psalm 23 from a lady pastor, and trigger warning, it is awful and not the scripture. Also, Tom Hanks gives a speech at Harvard graduation while accepting an honorary doctor for being an acting guy person or something like that. And his description of what truth is. Well, we're just going to have to hear that. All this and more today. I'm Matt Odegaard and this is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. as always, I am Matt Odegaard, your host, and I am here to help you understand what it means to live out your faith. And we do that by looking at current events from a Christian perspective, because sometimes living out your faith means, well, living out your faith, going out into this world and figuring out what you can do in this world in accordance with God and his word. So we're going to go back to scripture as much as I can. I'm going to couch things in that. You don't have to take my word for any of this. I hope that you do your own work. You pour into the Bible with your heart and soul and mind and strength and find out what God has and what he has already said through his scriptures, because all scripture is God-breathed and useful for all kinds of things, as Timothy, uh, as Paul told Timothy. So we need to do that as much as we can. And I want to help you do that. If I can help you get further down that road in a faster fashion, I'm happy to do that. So if you like this, hit the like button. If you want to subscribe, hit the subscribe button. If you want to give a review, give a review. If you want to hit the notifications, sometimes those work. If you are listening on audio, I love you and thank you for all that you bring to this platform. If you want to watch the video, you can go to churchpublic.com. You can go to Rumbles. Um, You can go to YouTube. Sometimes I'm up there depending on how they feel about me. I think I just, I feel like at this point, it's any day where I will just be kicked off there entirely. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna just keep going until they do. But YouTubes, I love you. I love you guys out there. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your platform. Anyway, um, so we're gonna look at some current events from a Christian perspective today and see if we can make sense of what is going on in this wild, wild words world. So let's get to some news. Okay, Chick-fil-A. Listen, I love Chick-fil-A. You know I love Chick-fil-A. Um, they can came out with this DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion post on their website. And this is a problem. It's a problem because DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, is naturally anti-Christian. Hear me in this. Even though David French and other prominent quote-unquote Christian conservatives are tweeting that you can use DEI to build Christian values, I'm just going to say outright, he is wrong. <laughs> you, these are all great values. Here, here's the thing. Diversity, equity, inclusion, they're all great values when seen through the lens of God's kingdom. And you can do that. You can see these things through the lens of God's kingdom for each of those traits. However, you have to understand this is not what anyone in any of these departments mean. Those that are schooled in DEI, those that are running DEI, The goal in every single one of these DEI departments across the country is to force diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that's the key word there, force. And the only way to force these ideals is to look at a feature of someone's identity instead of their character, which some people at certain points have said is a really bad idea. Once you boil someone down to their features instead of their character, you end up in places that actually forces more discrimination. For instance, if you choose someone solely based on their skin color, you're explicitly not choosing someone else solely based on their skin color. And we used to know that was a bad thing. Now, I don't know what Chick-fil-A is going to do with this. We're going to have to wait and see. I hope that they can work through this in a positive fashion. Again, we're gonna have to wait and see. I'm not gonna call for a Chick-fil-A boycott like a bunch of people are doing. I'm not going to do that, I think that's a distraction from some of the other campaigns that are going on right now like Target and Budweiser and the Dodgers and Disney. We have to choose something, we can't do everything, and we have to choose something and then accomplish that goal, see it through the end and and then choose the next thing. However, I think it does stand to note that even Chick-fil-A fell prey to DEI. I think that's the bigger story here. Even Chick-fil-A, good old Christian chicken, fell prey to DEI. I think this says less about Chick-fil-A as a whole and more about DEI itself. This ideology is so pervasive, so enticing, so cunning, that even the leaders of our famed chicken sandwiches fell for it. And I think that's saying something deeper indeed. All right, let's talk about Disney because, oh, Disney, you just keep going down this road, don't you? Okay, Disney, um, I don't know how to set this up. There, this is a, if you are unfamiliar and I am familiar because as some of you know, I grew up in Southern California. I grew up going to Disney, probably a lot. I probably went more than most and I really enjoyed it. I was a diehard Disney person. My whole family can tell you that many of my friends can tell you that. And it pains me to admit what they are actually doing in and through all of these things. Like it really does pain me. It's really sad because the whole company and and actually I have a, have a, a quote from Walt Disney in a moment that I'll share. But the whole company, the whole ideal is to create this environment that is, in a sense, magical. And I don't mean that in like a weird, spiritualistic, magical way. I mean it in a sense where you can escape from the horrors of reality and just be in a place that provides you joy for a certain amount of time. Yes, you know, it's not real. That's fine. But it's still a wonderful time to enjoy the fun of those experiences. Well, now we're in a different level. So in the castle, in Cinderella's castle, in Disneyland, which I've been through more times than I can count, and I've brought my daughter through when she was small in a princess dress. So I'm very familiar with what's going on here. There is a boutique called the Bippity Boppity Boutique. I know I shouldn't know that, but I do. And you can go there and pay a lot of money, which I never did, to have your daughter uh, dressed up more like a princess and go through princess things, right? It's essentially a day spa for tiny girls uh, to feel like they're princesses. I mean, it's great, whatever. Again, I never did it personally with my family because it's just too much dang money. But, But now we have this. And, and if you are just listening, I will try to describe it. This is one of those picture worth a thousand words kinds of things. But I'm just going to play it and then we're going to talk about it as I play it because that's the only way we can get through this. So here we go. So we're at the entrance. I want to
1: Paragon Miller's Apprentices. I'm here to shop you around and make so a and,
0: and the one that is greeting the little girl, I know it was a quick clip. So again, if you're on audio, you probably missed it all. If you're on video, it even went by really fast. So, I freeze-framed this here, and this is a person named Nick, who says he is one of the fairy godmothers to help, or the fairy godmother apprentices, I don't know, whatever, uh, to help the little girl become a princess. Nick, so named, has a mustache, and is clearly a man. So, now we have this man, a mustachioed man, who is sitting here leading a tiny little girl into the... Place where you're uh, turned into a princess magically through Disney magic, and it's just it's just bad. This this is so bad on on so many different levels. I'm going to talk about a couple here. One, of course, this is gross and perverse because it's a man with a mustache and a dress, and he shouldn't be hanging around little girls like this. But but that's all true. Of course, that's true. We all should know that this is the common sense world that apparently we've just lost our minds and don't know common sense anymore. However. There is a deeper thing really going on here that I think illustrates our culture from a Christian perspective and a secular perspective. It really really illustrates the, the dichotomy here. And this is the question, because I've spent much time in the service industry as well. Who is this serving at Disneyland? Who is the customer here? You have a man in a dress with a mustache and a girl Who wants to have a princess dress, but who's the customer here? And the simple answer is, it's not the girl. It's clearly not the girl, because if they wanted to serve the girl best, it would be the way to serve the girl best, which is not a man in a dress with a mustache. This is clearly for the employee. They're clearly serving the employee. It's not for the general attendee at Disney. It's not for the parents, clearly. And it most certainly is not for the little girl who must be really confused to go princess dress shopping with a mustachioed man. No, this is clearly for the employee. And we've come a long way from this idea that some of you have heard before. The customer is always right. Now, apparently, that's not true. Now, apparently, the employee is right. And the customer can leave or do whatever they want because they don't care. The employee, the employer, they don't care about the customer, apparently, at all. Because this is what's happening here at Disney. And we see it. And this is the trend. The customer doesn't matter. The customer doesn't matter at Budweiser or Target or the Dodgers or Disney. And back to our first story, this really is another result of DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion, because when you cut up your values and you base the end result on an identity characteristic like you see here of your employee, you end up with a man in a dress with a mustache talking to a young girl, because now it's about you. It's about you, the employee, because you have to be included. You have to feel included. You have to feel equal to everybody else, even if you're a man with a mustache in a dress. And this is, in fact, the exact opposite of what Disney had started. And that's why I want to go to this quote from Disney himself when he was talking about even this idea of the service industry and serving your guest. He said, quote, you don't build it for yourself. Speaking of Disneyland, you know what people want and you build it for them. In other words, you need to create your environment so that your guest is served but that's not what's going on here. Somehow it seems that this all has been lost in translation. So that's enough for Disney. And speaking of being lost, we're going to talk about Tom Hanks. Um, great actor. I mean, he's acted in a lot of things and and he's fine. But he gave a commencement speech at Harvard University about truth. And well, it went about like you think it would. So let's back up just a little bit in time because Harvard has been around for Hundreds of years at this point, that's actually true, uh, begun somewhere in the 1600s, e- even before that, uh, depending on how you count it. So, Harvard, Yale, etc., they used to have their commencement speeches in Greek and Latin and Hebrew. And actually, what the commencement was all about was the graduates themselves fiercely defending beliefs in the language that they were working through, usually Latin, sometimes Greek, Hebrew, and others. And also math and science, because they needed to prove they were worthy of their graduation. And now, in the year of our Lord, 2023, things are a bit different. In fact, I think this video actually sums up pretty well what's going in our current culture. The commencement speaker was not trained at Harvard, though he did receive an honorary doctorate degree from there. I think this is a fitting tribute to a person who acts as if they really know. So let's listen to the first part of this. Um, Actually, I'll say this one more thing first. He says right before the clip in this speech that, quote, it's not fair, but please don't be embittered by this fact. Now, without having done a lick of work, without having spent any time in a class, without having once walked into that library, pointing at the Harvard library, in order to do anything with the graduating class of Harvard, its faculty or distinguished alumni, I make a good living playing someone who did, end quote. In other words. (laughs) With all the knowledge of his Hollywood education, Hanks launches into a dissertation on truth, its importance, and its ultimate grounding from whence truth comes. And so we have an actor playing an educator for this graduation. That's the best way I can sum it up. Let's take a listen.
2: We are all in a cage match, mixed martial arts battle royale with agents of hubris apathy, intolerance, and braying incompetence, the malevolent equals to Imperial Stormtroopers Lex Luthor and Loki. <laughs> and we could all use a superhero right now. The language of telling the truth, it is the, in the vision quest for truth that we look to you newly incorporated members of the Justice League of Avengers. For the truth to some is no longer empirical, it's no longer based on data, nor common sense, nor even common decency. Telling the truth is no longer the benchmark for public service. It's no longer the salve to our fears or the guide to our actions. Truth is now considered malleable by opinion and by zero sum end games. But the truth, the truth is sacred, unalterable, Chiseled into the stone of the foundation of our republic.
0: That, uh, that end part was actually great. The beginning, not so much. So, according to Hanks, now apparently, truth is based on comic book heroes in the multiverse, which, by the way, he included Loki in there, who really is not in any way a hero, but uh, I guess I digress. Whether in the Marvel Universe or actually in Norse mythology from whence he originated, uh, yeah not not a great guy anyway that that's that's a digression, so I won't go down that path today. but he's talking about truth and he's talking about the importance of truth, of which I wholeheartedly agree. We talk about that on this show all the time, every time constantly I'm talking about how important truth really is, but he chooses to locate truth in superheroes or marvel heroes or something. He doesn't really give any indication of where this truth comes from, where would you find this truth, just that truth is in danger and truth is at odds and we need a superhero to save the truth or something like that. But the truth is, Mr. Hanks apparently believes that men can become women, which he's talked about in other places in this trans ideology and LGBTQ ideology. So which one is it? Which thing is really true? Do you find your truth within yourself and then your whole discourse doesn't make any sense because you said we need to find the truth and guard the truth, except you've made your own truth? None of this makes any sense. And as a response to this vapid discourse on Marvel comic book lore, I'll give you two verses that I think are more important. Jesus answered, "'You say that I am king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me.' And then Pilate responds, what is truth? John 18, 37 through 38. And a little earlier in John, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. This is really where truth comes from, and it comes from outside of ourselves. And unless we ground the truth in what is actually real, our foundation will be about as strong as the feather flying around in forest Gump. Speaking of incredible oratory designed to compel the highest level of thought and action, Nebraska Senator Michaela Kavanaugh had one of the most thought-out speeches I may have ever heard to date on the need to trans your kids. Now, Nebraska Senator Michaela Kavanaugh was responding to a bill in Nebraska banning medical and surgical treatment for minors. And this treatment, quote unquote, is the changing or attempt to change from one gender, say male, to the other, say female. So the state was saying, hey, we should not do this because it's really bad for kids and it has no grounding in truth or biology. But this Nebraska Senator, Michaela Kavanaugh, had an incredible speech to talk about why, with excellent resources and foundation, this was a bad idea. So let's let's give her a listen.
1: Trans people belong here! We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. You matter. You matter And I am fighting for you and I will not stop. I will not stop today I will not stop tomorrow. you are loved you matter you belong here
0: yeah I mean there you go that was all the reasons you need I guess so i I, I hate to I hate to poke fun but sometimes we just have to make light of the insanity that's going on. And that's just what it is. (laughs) Everyone has gone insane. And the reason they've gone insane is this culture just drives you insane. And that is, you know, nowhere in that, that, that's an elected official. This is an elected official in Nebraska, a Senator, no less. And the argument against, or I guess it's the other way, the argument for medical and surgical procedures on minors to try to change them from one gender to another is we need trans people. Trans people belong here. That, that's the whole argument. And and this is the problem. Like these lies drive you insane. The anti-Christian thing to do is lie. The Christian thing to do, the better thing I would say to do is to not lie. And and the reality is. This is what happens when you lie all the time. You start believing the lies and you just go crazy. You go insane. For instance, when you keep saying that men are actually women and women are actually men, then you've gone insane because you're just so enveloped in your own lies that you can't see the truth. You can't live the truth. You need these Marvel heroes to save you from the truth. But I hate to spoil this for you the Marvel heroes are not coming, they're not real. None of this is real. And let's look at the argument for a moment. We need trans people. I I don't know how else to say this, but we have to enter into this argument. Okay, for what? Seriously, what are the needs here? You need a man who dresses up like a stripper to do what? Really, in society, what, what is that person for? What is the telos, the end, the purpose of that man? Dressed like a stripper. Or like we saw in the previous example, you need a man dressed like a woman, dressed like a fairy godmother with a mustache to sell a princess dress to a child. I mean, is that is that really what we need in this society or on a a more competitive spirit? Do you need a man dressed like a woman to compete in women's sports or compete in girls sports to beat them? Is that what we need? And so then we get on to the second claim. Trans people belong here? And where? Like, what are we talking about in all seriousness? Where do trans people belong? Now, are they children of God who should be loved and taught about the kingdom of God? Yes, 100% yes, absolutely. They are loved by God and they should be taught about the kingdom of God. But where do they belong? Like, what are we saying here? Do they belong in the Senate with this lady? Do they belong in Nebraska, in America? What is the argument here? What is the argument for? Where are we trying to put? people who are confused about what gender actually is, what is a woman, what is a man. If you can't answer the question, if you don't know truth, if you're just going to lie about everything in life, how do you function in society? And that's a really difficult question. And on a personal level, I can have compassion on a person who is struggling with this. On a systemic, on a societal level, this just tears apart our social fabric because we don't know what is real and what is not real. And we have to see things like that and understand from a Christian perspective that the only argument left is yelling. Because once you have entered into the world of lies, there, there are no real arguments for, well, men should just be women or women should just be men. They all should be allowed to go everywhere and do everything the opposite gender does, even if their parts don't match. But that argument obviously is ridiculous because... There's so many different concerns, safety concerns, all the men, women, men winning women's sports competitions and things like that, like uh, men or, you know, teenage boys and teenage girl locker rooms just because we want to acknowledge this lie. There, There are real world consequences for the rest of society when we start believing these lies. And so we have to figure out how to live in a world with truth that is actual truth, not Marvel Cinematic Universe truth. All right, so now we're going to move on to, <laughs> I don't know what to say. We're going to move on to my favorite topic, which is the Bible, and Psalm 23, which I don't think you can see right now. This plaque right here, if you're watching the video, is actually Psalm 23, but it's above the video, so I apologize you can't see it. I should have I should have moved the camera so you could see it, but one of my favorite Psalms, and it's one of my favorite Psalms because it talks about God's provision through all circumstances, and really especially bad circumstances, and that God is yet still good. He is the good shepherd. This lady pastor has a different approach to it. We're just going to listen to this, and uh, I don't even know how far we're going to make it into this. I don't know how much I can take, but but I saw it, so you get to see it.
1: Join me in the call to worship. My mom is my <laughs> shepherd. I shall not want. She makes me lie down under cool, downy comforts. She watches me play beside still waters. She restores my soul. She leads me in paths of respect, responsibility, and goodness, for I am her namesake. Nope. Yea, even though I walk past monsters in the dark, nope. I will not be a scared, because nope. my mom is always near me. Her hands and her voice, they comfort me. Mama sets the table and cheerfully calls me to dinner, even in front of big mean bullies. <laughs> she anoints my skin knees and broken heart with kisses. Okay, I can't, I
0: can't, I can't, I can't do it, I can't, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Here, here's... I'm. I'm going to read a little bit of Psalm 23. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I mean, it's short. I might read the whole thing if I if I get into it and and just love it. But but <laughs> but um you, first of all, who wrote this? Because it's not even good poetry. But second of all, why are people like this allowed to stand up in front of a church? There's a question. But my bigger question is this again, because I'm going to keep turning it back to you and to the people and to to us regular Christians. I don't know who these people are. I I just don't understand why they did nothing. Now, maybe I just maybe maybe I'm just fed up with silliness and, and bad Bible teachers. But I would have at the very least walked away if I was in a good mood. And at, and if not, I may have stormed up and and said, no, we're not doing this. Like, this is not the Bible. This is some weird, made up shenanigan garbage. And like, I'm done with this. And you're done with this. I, I don't know. I don't know. Fortunately, I don't go to churches like that. So uh, I'm not going to have that experience. But but when I come across things like this, I just go, what? Like, first of all, how did this happen in the first place? And second of all, why did there are people standing there reciting this garbage out loud and not thinking, well, where did this come from? Who invented this? It's not Psalm 23. And I'll just, I'm just going to read you a little bit here because it's so good. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I'm not going to read the rest of it for time, but this is your homework. Go and read Psalm 23. I'm telling you, it's one of my favorite Psalms. And you can take each one of those lines, each one of those words and dive into it for who God is and who that makes you. It's a really, really good psalm for the sovereignty of God, for the providence of God. That means the power of God and and that God will provide for you, um, even in these dark times and these dark places. And I just I just love it. And it is it's mildly infuriating, maybe not even mildly. It's pretty infuriating for people to take that and turn into my mama. My mama is my shepherd or whatever she said. It just oh, my gosh, people. All right. We're going to do a couple more because uh, I'm a glutton for punishment. All right. So you know we 've been doing this this dodger thing and uh and and we got to talk about the dodgers thing. I mean, we looked at this before oh i don 't have it up here um, so we had the dodgers pride there was the whole thing where you had the sisters of perpetual indulgence who were invited to the Dodgers 10th anniversary pride game. And then they were uninvited and then they were re-invited and this whole thing back and forth and back and forth. And now they're invited. Um, And it's just, it's just a whole hot mess, but the Dodgers continue to try to play both sides. So you have this guy, um, Kershaw, I believe his name was, Um, let me see if I can get this up for you here. Um, We'll just do that and that. So this is Clayton Kershaw. Apparently he is, uh, I think he was a Dodger. I don't know if he's currently a Dodger. I apologize. I'm showing my lack of sports awareness in this. But he was promoting this Christian faith night on July 30th. And then the Dodgers themselves reposted this this, um, Christian faith night. Um, And... I just, like, I I don't exactly know where to go with this. Like, on the one hand, I love that he wants to have a Christian faith night. On the other hand, I feel like the Dodgers have burned that bridge. They decided to choose the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence who are anti-Christian. They don't like Christians, and they make fun of Christians and blaspheme blaspheme God and Christians. So why would we go back and say, well, you know, I know you did this super anti-Christian thing But we're going to go back a couple weeks later and then then we'll do Christian things like, no, you should just say no, no, we're not going to do this garbage because you chose this. You chose to platform those people that hate God. Why would I go back into your place and and try to redeem that? No, you have made that bed. Now you lie in it. We have our churches. We have our places and we should do our worship there. Um, That's kind of how I feel about it. I know you may have a different perspective. Maybe you feel like you want to go and you want to just support. And I've heard people say, well, we'll just we'll turn the atmosphere around by turning that dark demonic thing into worship. I get that. I just think. By supporting the Dodgers in doing that, we are supporting what they did before. Um, I can't separate those because because I feel like it's, it's too far gone, and they chose to do that. Now they're trying to split the difference and make everybody a little bit happy, and to me that just makes everybody upset, um, and I don't love that. Now, there is um, another thing that I wanted to point you to, and that is Blake Tr- Trinan. Um, and he wrote an amazing letter. I believe he is a relief pitcher for the current Dodgers. And I'm going to read you some of this letter because this is the response. Um, and I love his courage. I hope he stands up in this because he's going to get so much pushback from the Dodgers and the sports people and the LGBTQ sex religion. And every, everyone is going to hate him for this, but I love it. I love him. I love that he stood up and wrote this. So here, let's read a little bit of this. I'll read it out loud for you. And if you're watching, you can see it on the screen. Okay. He wrote, I am disappointed to see, oops, uh, let me put this on the screen for you. ka There we go. I don't know why I'm making sound effects. All right. Um, so he wrote, I am disappointed to see the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence being honored as heroes at Dodger Stadium. Many of their performance, performances are blasphemous. Correct. And their work only displays hate and mockery of Catholics and the Christian faith. Again, absolutely correct. I'll continue reading. I understand, this is him writing, I understand that playing baseball is a privilege and not a right. My convictions in Jesus will always come first. Amen, sir. Thank you. I'm continuing to read. Sorry, I got excited. Since I have been with the Dodgers, they have been at the forefront of supporting a wide variety of groups. However, in inviting the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to perform and disenfranchise, I'm sorry, disenfranchises a large community and promotes hate of Christians and people of faith. The single event alienates the fans and supporters of the Dodgers, Major League Baseball, professional sports. People like baseball for its entertainment value and competition. The fans do not want propaganda or politics. Forced on them. The debacle with Bud Light and Target should be a warning to companies and professional sports to stay true to their brand and leave propaganda and politics off the field. Yes, correct. 100%. I love it. Thank you for saying that. And that's not even the end. There's a little bit more. I'll read you a little bit more here. Um, All right. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe the word of God is true. And in Galatians 6 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. This group openly mocks Jesus Christ and the cornerstone of my faith, and I want to make it clear I do not agree with nor support the decision of the Dodgers to honor the sisters of perpetual indulgence. And then he ends with, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua 24, 15. Yes, 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 yes. I cannot say yes enough times. I love it. I am so impressed with the courage of this man to stand up because... The, the backlash is going to come on this guy, and uh, I, I would say pray for him, pray for him to stand strong, and pray for him to remain strong through whatever storm is coming his way, and I know it is, and it's unfortunate that's the world we live in, but it is. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of land with this. Uh, this is uh, Franklin Graham. He gave, a <clears throat> he gave a speech at the um, NRB. The National, I believe it's National Religious Broadca- Broadcasters uh, Conference, and um, he he said a couple of things, and I think I think this is good, and it it's it, let's just let's listen to a couple of things that he has said. He said, "Quote: The world is deteriorating so quickly; it seems like every demon in hell has been turned loose, and we cannot be deceived when we and we cannot be fooled." We need to get ready and we need to get prepared. He went on to say, The whole purpose is because we're living in a cancel culture and they want to destroy Christian organizations. They want us to shut our mouths and they don't want to hear from us. End quote. I totally agree. I mean, these are the types of things that I say here. If you say things, even like this particular baseball player said, <clears throat> You're going to get hate from the world because the world hates you for saying this because you're really saying the true things. And this is the reality of it. (coughs) When you say the true things, the world is going to hate you for it. But Graham goes on to say, if you don't preach the gospel, you don't have anything to worry about, Uh, end quote. I agree with this. This is the reality of it. If you are nice, quote unquote, nice, and you love the world the way the world wants to be loved... You're going to have a great life. It's going to be easy. It's going to be smooth sailing because the devil doesn't care about you. The world doesn't care about you. You're just agreeing with the world. You're going along with the world. It's easy. But he goes on to say, and this is the important part for you, Christian if you are not going to talk about sin, you don't have anything to worry about. But if you're going to try to preach and proclaim the gospel, they are going to try to shut you up. End quote. 100% agree. And that's not just his words. That's Jesus saying, they hated me. They're going to hate you. They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. Paul said this to Timothy, said this to Peter, said this to John, said this. I mean, all of almost all of the apostles said something like that, because that's the way the world is. The world has not changed in 2000 years, and it's not going to change because that is the way that it is. You can have this weird and fuzzy explanation of what truth is in a Marvel cinematic universe from an actor that really is based on nothing real or you can have the actual truth who is Jesus Christ the very person embodied of Jesus Christ and that person embodies the truth that we can understand through reading his scripture reading the word Jesus uh, the very first verse of John right uh, it says I am the word the word was with me in the beginning right it's the logos the word of god is Jesus the whole gospel of John is about the godness of Jesus, that Jesus is God and Jesus is the word and Jesus is the truth and the life, as he says in John 14, 6. And these are the important things. I think it is important for you to stand up and speak these true things, to speak the gospel, but know that when you do, people are going to push back on that because this world does not like that. I'll end where we began with Tom Hanks, And I will agree with one thing that he has. As his speech drew to a close, he reminded graduates of the need to safeguard the truth. Let's watch this one more time. But the truth,
2: the truth is sacred, unalterable, chiseled into the stone of the foundation of our republic.
0: I love that chiseled into the stone of the foundation of our republic. Jeffrey F. Meyer, in his book Myths in Stone, Religious Dimensions of Washington, D.C., this is a real book. You should check it out. It's amazing. He describes how, quote, there is a religious message implicit in most of the buildings, memorials, art, and iconography of Washington that recalls, hear this, the original conviction so often stated by the Founding Fathers that the Almighty stood behind the American experiment, end quote. I love that. And that's true. Uh, You probably can't see behind me, but there's a big book that's open that is uh, a history, a Christian history of of the American government. Uh, It's full of all kinds of things, but it's absolutely true. I was reading some of the prayers that they prayed while they were trying to figure out what the declaration was supposed to say. It, It took... Uh, months and months and months, and every day they prayed. There was even an argument at one point when some people were saying, well, we shouldn't pray because we don't all agree and we're not exactly the same denomination. And a couple of people stood up and said, yeah, but God is God and prayer is important, so we need to pray regardless of denomination. And so they went right back to praying as they opened each session of the Continental Congress that eventually birthed the Declaration of Independence and later the Constitution. These are amazing facets that are exactly true. And Mr. Hanks, I agree. The truth is sacred. The truth is unalterable. The truth, in fact, is chiseled into the stone of the foundation of America as well. From the quotations and allusions in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution to the very monuments themselves, the Bible is literally the cornerstone. Literally. Did you know there is actually a Bible in the cornerstone of the Washington Monument? This is a real thing. And the metal cap on the top of the Washington Monument... Bears the inscription Laus Deu. In other words, praise God. And I could go on and on about monuments, but you don't want to hear that from me today. Look it up. Almost every single monument in Washington, D.C. has some scripture or inscription that is to God. So the truth is important. I would say again, I think it's the most important thing. And the good news for you is the truth can be known. It's not found in Marvel movies or heroes or mythology or actors or even Harvard graduates. No the truth is found in only one place, and that is Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Be bold and speak the truth with confidence. For Church Public, I'm Ed Odegaard, and I always hope that you will keep the faith.